you don't want to explicitly say to a not-for-profit, the only reason that I'm joining you is to get access to other board opportunities, you know, as if they're almost a wedge in your board career. Uh, They won't take kindly to that at all. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Today, I'd like to have a talk to you about how to build a board career. And this is not only relevant for people who are just starting a board career, but also very relevant for people who perhaps have achieved one or potentially two board roles and looking to grow out a full portfolio of boards uh, to keep them occupied, sometimes after retiring from their executive life. Other times, people have a desire to move into a board career earlier in their life, and certainly with the increasing desire for diversity on boards, not only in terms of Um, gender, but also age and other attributes. It is now a time where younger people are getting more opportunity to join boards. And certainly you shouldn't be discouraged if you feel that you are too young. Although it would be fair to say that the opportunities for you commencing a board career will be more limited to uh, a younger person until they've really built out their capability and reputation as a director. I get approached by people looking to build a board career literally every week. And uh, some of those people are very frustrated. Others are very excited. Uh, Some are really in the early stages of doing some exploration. And it's interesting to understand people's motivations about why uh, they want to move into a board career. And certainly, I don't really want to talk much about that today except to say that if you are a senior executive and you're earning a very good salary, it's often very hard to replicate that as a director until you've got a substantive portfolio, and you shouldn't underestimate how long it takes to do that. So I wouldn't be chasing a board career for the money, uh, at least not initially. It's probably a better thing to think about in terms of can you attain one potentially two board roles while still working and then make that leap across into a full portfolio when you're either financially independent or you're not so much driven by income. What a lot of people don't realise is that when you're moving into a board career, it in many respects is very much like starting your career again. Whilst you may have fantastic key achievements and transferable skills at an executive level, Being a board director is quite different to that. And whilst those things may be valued and may get you the opportunity to start in a a board career, you need to build an entirely different skill set in order to be successful. What I tell people is that it is absolutely fundamentally critically important that you complete the AICD director qualifications. Uh, There are other organisations offering director qualifications, but I would say that the AICD qualification is the one that is uh, most highly regarded. And even if you're looking to get a not-for-profit 
board role, which will predominantly be pro bono, in other words, you're not getting paid, there still is a high expectation that you've done AICD. And if you haven't done that, then you are disadvantaging yourself. So go out and get that qualification. It's not cheap uh, and it requires a strong commitment, not only to attending the lectures, but more importantly, completing the uh, assessment afterwards in order to qualify. And I see a lot of people who do the AICD course, but they don't do the qualification element. Uh, They don't do the exams and the uh, assignment work. And uh, then life gets in the road. You know, they get a promotion, they go on a holiday, they have some things happening with their family, whatever it might be. And before you know it, a few months have gone by and they end up not doing the qualification uh, completely. And if it's only partially completed, then it may as well not be completed at all. So go and do AICD, get the uh, assessment done as quickly as possible, complete and uh, finish the qualification and then you're good to go. I call it a hygiene factor in that it's something that you have to do, but once it's done, it's done. As long as you maintain your AICD membership, then uh, you should never need to do that again. There are certain people out there in the board coaching space, I won't mention any names, but who charge people tremendous amounts of money telling them that they will give them the skills necessary to be a director and then giving them access to opportunities. And I've had quite a few of these people come to me and tell me that they had been advised that the AICD qualification was not required. And I would say to those people that you need to think about the motivations of who's telling you that. Because if somebody wants to sign you up for a program that can cost well over $10,000, Uh, it is in their interest to make the barrier to signing you up as low as possible. If they say, well, before we can really help you, you need to do AICD, which is about another $10,000, then it may dishearten those people and they miss out on their revenue. So uh, I would be taking the advice that you don't need AICD as... um, Uh, very poor advice and it would be interesting to do an analysis. I wonder whether AICD has done this to look across, for example, the ASX top 300 and look at all of their directors and see how many of those people have versus haven't completed AICD qualifications. And I would suggest that the percentage of people who have is almost all and the people who haven't is very, very low and have probably gotten their board roles in the past on a relationship basis and uh, would very much be in the minority. Okay, so um, uh, the next thing is to think about how do you get blooded as a board director, build your experience and build your profile and personal brand. A fantastic way to do that is by joining a substantive, well-recognized not-for-profit. I'm not talking about the local PNC, although there's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about joining a not-for-profit which already has a board of significant board professionals. Uh, You will, in the main, be expected to join that not-for-profit board and attend board meetings on a pro bono basis. In other words, you're not going to get paid. And often they will say to you, look, we're looking for a contribution of about two days per month, uh, maybe half a day reading board papers, 
half a day attending a board meeting and then some ancillary work maybe on a subcommittee or something like that. Do not underestimate the expectation that not-for-profits have on their board directors. Uh, I would suggest that the commitment is substantively higher than that. By the time you attend their events, you support them in fundraising and doing other activities, it's probably a lot more than they initially present to you, but it's very, very important for you, if you're going to make that commitment, to know in advance what is required and feel confident that you've got the time and capacity to deliver. Another thing that's very important in joining a not-for-profit board is that you've got some kind of heart connection to their cause. So if you're into animal welfare or education or indigenous issues or um, uh, health issues, whether it be heart, eye, ear, whatever, um, it's great if you've got a personal connection to what they're doing. And in fact, many of the times that not-for-profits are, are interviewing and I suppose setting the specification their board directors should have for consideration, that will be something that's very important to them. For example, I've been responsible for recruiting almost the entire board, including a number of chairs for Autism Queensland. And one of their prerequisites for consideration is that the person has to have some kind of history or personal involvement with autism. Maybe they have an autistic child, maybe they work in the field, uh, something like that that shows that they understand the issues facing people with autism and they're there for the right reasons. Not-for-profits understand that they are a great vehicle for people to build their board career, but by the same token, they don't want to be used for that. So whilst uh, it's important to see it as part of your growth, of the growth as a director, you don't want to explicitly say to a not-for-profit, the only reason that I'm joining you is to get access to other board opportunities, you know, as if they're almost a wedge in your board career. Uh, they won't take kindly to that at all. But by the same token, joining a not-for-profit board is a fantastic opportunity. Many of the people on that board will be on multiple other boards. So they're a great way to network into opportunities. And it's also fantastic to sit in a room with people of that caliber on a monthly basis and learn. So I highly recommend uh, joining a not-for-profit board as a great way to start your board career. One of my podcasts uh, that I've done earlier is with a guy by the name of Ian Clug. Ian Clug is the chairman of Brisbane Marketing, as well as a number of other organizations. He's an accountant by background, and he talks explicitly about how being on not-for-profit boards was instrumental in him being able to move into being a very successful board director and uh, building his career around that now. So uh, that's something definitely worth considering. If you want to get paid board roles, the important thing to understand is that I would suggest at least 95%, if not higher, board roles never get to a recruiter, they never get to a job board, they never get to the open market. What happens is a board vacancy becomes available and the board will talk about who they know that meets the requirements of the role, uh, that would be a cult good cultural fit and is available 
And those people may often be approached directly and offered a board vacancy without any kind of recruitment process. And I can cite examples, even at the highest level of government-owned corporations and listed organisations that have appointed people to their boards by simply asking them, would you like to join? And when they say yes, they're on the board. So what is important to know about that? You must build a relationship with the chair of the board before they know that they need you. Uh, Not in any way different to what I recommend in my book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market. Uh, You need to reach out directly to the chair or other board members of boards that you wish to join and build a relationship with them so that when the opportunity becomes available, you're known to them and you are logical first choice. And the way to do that is quite simple. You identify them often uh, by looking at the company's website, you find their LinkedIn profile, you reach out to them and request a meeting, and then you start to build a rapport and build some kind of follow-up with them on a consistent basis to make sure that when those opportunities become available, they know who you are. A great example of that is another podcast of mine with Grant Murdoch, who was one of the very senior leaders within EY in Brisbane, and he talked to me about when he wished to build his board career, he identified the 80 most influential non-executive directors in Queensland. He built a spreadsheet, and he literally made sure that he touched each of those people at least once a quarter. That could be through a phone call, a coffee, meeting them at an event, but he would find a reason to be in contact with these people at least once a quarter. And that's a big ask, but as a result of him doing that, he was able to build a board portfolio of a number of very good quality and well-paid board roles quite quickly. I can compare him with another person that I know who is equally well regarded in the market, uh, is a very, very competent and capable person. Uh, And his view talking to me was, look, Richard, people know who I am. They know where I are, where they know who I am. They know where I am. If they want me, they can come and get me. And the reality of that is that knowing this fellow and knowing his appetite for board roles for probably well over five years, in that entire period of time, he's only achieved one. Now, in my mind, he would be able to deliver as good value as any board director I know, uh, and yet because he's taken a very passive approach, he has not gotten the opportunities. Now, it's not to say that one is better than the other. It's entirely up to you as to how assertive you want to be in building your board portfolio, but definitely those people who follow the structure from my book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market, and apply that in terms of uh, building relationships at board level are extraordinarily successful. One thing to understand is that it's quite easy to get somebody onto a board. It's a lot more difficult to get them off a board. So cultural fit is extraordinarily important. A chair in particular wants to know that if they invite you to join their board, that you will deliver Uh, the outcomes required and you'll do it in a way that is amenable and uh, fits well within the culture of the existing board members. 
whilst they may want people who will challenge ideas and be assertive in terms of their responsibilities, they certainly don't want people who are going to be aggressive and antagonistic. So as a result of that, when chairs are making decisions about who they want to join their board, they will often err on the side of caution and appoint people who they know. I've recently uh, recruited for a particular organisation for their board. This is the third time I've done it in about three years. These are paid board roles. And in each instance, I was asked to go out with a certain set of parameters in terms of background, skill set, etc., was able to present a very strong and broad shortlist of candidates. And in each instance, the chair ended up appointing somebody that they know. So those people were on my list. It's not to say that they were better than anybody else on my list, but because of that personal relationship, they ended up getting the job. So I can't underestimate how important it is for you to have these relationships. Now, going to AICD events is not going to be the way to do this. The top board directors won't go to those events, or rarely, because when they go to those events, they get literally hammered by board uh, aspiring board directors wanting to join their board. So, for example, if the chair of Suncorp was to go to an AICD meeting or an event, the last thing that person would want is 50 retired school teachers saying, hey, I've done the AICD qualification, I'd love to join Suncorp's board, how do I get on your board? Uh, Now, I mentioned Suncorp just as an example, I'm not uh, uh, putting words in the chair's mouth, but fundamentally, they are not participating in those kind of events. That's not to say that those events aren't worth going to, they definitely are from an education and networking point of view, but you're not going to meet the people there that are the key decision makers in building your board career. You have to do that on a personal one-to-one level. And again, without reiterating it, the way to do that is to get on their radar, build rapport, and then just stay in touch with them. Not to be aggressive about it, but just to be on their radar by staying in regular contact so that they get to know you and get to trust you for joining their board. I think it's unrealistic for somebody to say, I've uh, completed AICD qualifications, I'm going to join an ASX top 50 board. Uh, You would need to be extraordinarily lucky and have an extraordinarily rare and highly valued skill set for that. So what you need to do is to think about how do I incrementally uh, grow the uh, level of board that I'm on so that I can achieve the level of board success that I'm looking for in the future. Now, that might mean a not-for-profit board. It may mean joining a small to medium enterprise that would value your skill set, or it may mean joining a junior ASX. And then over time, as you build capability and personal brand, larger opportunities will be made available to you. One thing to think about in relation to this, though, is to not get pigeonholed. If you end up joining five not-for-profit boards, then you'll probably only be considered as a not-for-profit board director. Similarly, if you join five privately owned boards, you may not get an opportunity to join an ASX board. Now, it's not to say that everybody wants an ASX board or wants an ASX top 50 board. 
uh, you might be very happy working in the private space. But if you do have aspirations to incrementally get on larger ASX organizations boards, then you need to make sure that you've got good diversity in your portfolio and that you are continuing to strive for the next rung. I know many very successful board directors who may have four or five private board roles and they are unable to crack into the ASX market. Um, I know many other people who may be only on one or two boards, but they are very well regarded ASX organizations. And again, not to say that one is better than the other, it's just to say that if you, you need to have a plan and a goal in terms of what you want to achieve as a board director. I've already talked around the issue of diversity on this podcast, so I won't talk more about that now today, except to say that there is a genuine high appetite for female non-executive directors. And in fact, every time we are briefed on a board role, we are told we organization wants to see a lot of diversity on the shortlist and they definitely have an appetite for women to join their board. So uh, this idea of male, stale and pale, meaning men who are white and are old, uh, getting less opportunity to join boards, that is definitely true if this is your first board role. But if you're already established in a board career, I wouldn't be concerned about that. Anyway, I hope this podcast has been useful. Uh, please read my book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market. Please register with our opportunities page to get alerted to board roles as they become available to us. I would also recommend that you subscribe to the AICD board opportunities page, which costs a bit of money. I'm not sure, a few hundred dollars. Because a lot of the people who are advertising board roles there don't get a high volume of quality candidates. And in fact, I've advertised $60,000 a year, listed board roles there, and been completely underwhelmed with both the quality and quantity of applicants. And yet when I go out to the market of board directors that I know, the uh, level of excitement about joining these boards is high. I say to these people, why did you not register through the, uh, or why did you not apply through the AICD website? And they say to me, look, Richard, I don't bother looking there because 19 out of 20 board roles are either pro bono or are just not of a high quality. So they don't look. But the reality is there are good board roles there. And so if you're prepared to take the time to sort through the chaff to find the wheat, I think that that's the right saying, uh, there will be board roles there that you will be properly qualified for, that are paid and are definitely worth applying for. And again, I know some non-executive directors who have picked up more than one paid board role purely through the AICD website uh, on this basis. So uh, good luck with building your board portfolio. If I can be of any assistance, please do not hesitate to contact me and have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to the Arate Podcast with Richard Triggs. 
We frequently feature guests from organisations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organisation's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 517 or via email richardt at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.